welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network, the Authors on Fire podcast. I am Pat Rulo, so excited today because I have Dr. Gil Snyder with me. Gil is a neurologist practicing in Chesapeake, Virginia, trained at the University of Michigan and St. Vincent's Hospital in New York City. He lives in Virginia Beach with his wife and has been recognized as one of the top docs in Hampton Roads every year since 2012. His first thriller, titled Brain Warp, is about the plot to poison the president of Ukraine because he is leaning too far to the West. His second medical thriller, titled The Last, is available now through World Castle Publishing. And his third novel, titled Betrayed, was co-written with his wife Judy and is coming soon. He also collaborates with his wife to write song lyrics. Their latest is titled Best Day, a semi-finalist in the 2020 International Songwriting Contest and is available for purchase from Amazon. So as you can tell, we have lots to find out today. So welcome to the network, Gil. Thank you. It's very good to be here. Delighted to have the opportunity to talk with you, Pat. Thank you. I feel the same way as I started digging into your books. I mentioned to you this previously before we went on air that medical thrillers are something that I'm extremely interested in. So I'm so excited to talk about what you've written. So let's start in order, perhaps. Maybe just give us a look at your first thriller titled Brain Warp, because it sounds like it is quite relevant today. And I even wonder if you had some insider information. Uh, yeah, actually, Brain Warp was, uh, I wrote that a long time ago. It's, um, it's, uh, the basic plot line is that there's a plot to poison the president of Ukraine because he's leaning too far to the West, as you mentioned. And 15 months after I published the book, someone poisoned the president of Ukraine because he was leaning too far to the West. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, uh, if you recall, but, uh, there was a, uh, Yushchenko was prime minister and he was trying to get to be the president of Ukraine. And uh, he was poisoned with dioxin, mm-hmm. uh, which gave him uh, severe acne. Um, and uh, uh, I, of course, uh, fortunately, I had a different poison. I kind of joke around with uh, mm-hmm. uh, some of my uh, people who've read the book, and they said, "Well, you know, did you did you uh, have the same poison as uh, as dioxin?" And I said, "No, fortunately not, because if I did, I'd probably be in some <laughs> shack in the woods of Idaho with a year's supply of canned food and an AK-47 pointed at the door." Huh? Uh, but at any rate, I um, when I first wrote Brain Warp, uh, it kind of it was kind of an interesting thing for me. Uh, what I needed was a um, a country that had an unstable government. Uh, nuclear weapons, and a community, an active community in Manhattan. Uh, I did my internship uh, at St. Vincent's in Greenwich Village, and uh, Ukraine uh, fit fit perfectly, um, at least for a while, because while I was writing the book, uh, Ukraine gave up their nuclear weapons, so I had to change, change the plot a little bit. Uh, but uh, as it turns out, so Ukraine was uh, chosen by me for plot-driven reasons, but my father... Uh, immigrated from Ukraine uh, shortly after World War One. immigrated to the United States. So I'm Ukrainian, half Ukrainian. Um, and this really, uh, number one, it gave me an opportunity to read about Ukraine and the relationship that Ukraine has had with Russia, which is very relevant right now. Um, and uh, secondly, it gave me an opportunity to uh, uh, to um, re- to reminisce or more about my father and the relationship that I had with my father. And what I did 
probably on a subconscious level, is uh, most of the main characters in the book uh, have have been influenced very strongly by their fathers, either positively or negatively. Uh, some were abused by their fathers. Uh, some had absentee fathers. Uh, one that I identify with is um, uh, a character whose father died when he was very young, uh, although my father died when I was 21. But uh, this gave me an opportunity to uh, kind of uh, um, look into that aspect of it uh, and um, I, I don't know if some of the authors uh, have um, expressed this, but uh, after I finished writing that, I told my sons that, um, you know, when I read books, I learn about others. But when I write books, I learn about myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was kind of an, an interesting experience for me. And I think a, a, a lot of writers probably do that. They put a lot of themselves uh, into their book and a lot of their motivations for writing and how they write the book uh, are probably internal motivations in which they kind of explore their own persons uh, by doing that. Mm-hmm. I even have that written down here that you said that when you read books, you learn about others. When you write books, you learn about yourself. And that's often a question that I do ask during my conversations with authors, what did you learn about yourself that surprised you as you were writing this book or when you were done? Because I don't think that's the goal of writing the book. It's a byproduct that actually is a pretty uh, important one. Yes, I had the opportunity to just go into Ukrainian history. Being in in, uh, St. Vincent's, uh, I don't know how many of your Listeners uh, know about Manhattan, but uh, uh, Greenwich Village, which is now closed, uh, is in the West Village. Uh, Little Ukraine is in the East Village. Mm -hmm. So they're actually very close. Uh, They're only a few blocks away. And I had the opportunity to go to Little Ukraine, look around. There was actually a Ukrainian museum. Uh, There was a a Ukrainian bookstore that sold uh, uh, Ukrainian books, uh, traditional clothing, uh, Ukrainian clothing. So uh, it was uh, very... Uh, interesting for me to touch that aspect uh, of, of my past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as, it, as the book developed and as I learned about it, I learned a lot about uh, Ukrainian history. And like I said, what, what's going on at this time um, it really has its roots back uh, dozens or, or even hundreds of years in terms of the conflicts that Ukraine has had with uh, with Russia, mm-hmm. um, and so this this is a this is really uh, as relevant now as it was, if not more relevant now than it was when I wrote it back in two thousand three, or when I published it in two thousand three. I was writing it before then. Mm-hmm. That's a whole interesting piece to it as well. So not only did you get back to some family roots and understanding, and probably feeling a little bit of a closer relationship, perhaps to your father through exploring all of this, but. Yeah, almost having the crystal ball here to to be able to put into words ten years ago what's what's happening now with with quite a bit of accuracy. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and actually, I wrote that book very quickly. I did about three months of of in depth research, uh, and then I just sat down. And uh, even though I had two little boys at the time, I managed to find time to write and just went and, and spent the next nine months uh, writing the book, writing the first draft. And, of course, there were additional drafts and revisions. But um, uh, I, I did it uh, fairly quickly, actually. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I had the book pretty well in my mind, and I had it pretty planned out. 
Was there something that prompted you to write this? Did something happen or did somebody say something where you, you decided, hey, I'm going to write a book? Well, uh, actually, my wife and I had been writing a book uh, together before then. Um, and uh, she said, why don't you write one chapter and I'll write one chapter. Uh, we did that for a little while. And then I said, no, our, our writing styles are too different. I just can't do this. Um, and so we kind of, I just put it in a drawer. Uh, and then a few years later, she said, you know, Gil, you're a, you're a doctor, you're a neurologist, you, you go to work and you come home, you play with the kids and you go to sleep. And you, know, so you just, that's what you do all the time. Um, why don't you go ahead and just finish the book? And I said, well, I'm not a writer. I've never, you know, when I was in college, I never took any, any, uh, writing courses. Uh, you know, I've read, but, uh, I really hadn't done a lot of formal writing. So she said, well, why don't you just try it? So um, I started from one of the scenes, actually, where um, uh, one of the characters uh, is, is poisoned and uh, kind of goes a little crazy, uh, which is actually in the middle of the book. Um, and I said, okay, how do I get up to that scene? What happens after that scene? So um, uh, I really started in the middle of the book and uh, wrote up to that and then, you know, went through that afterwards. And so uh, that's how it, it really started. It was kind of an interesting process for me. But I didn't start with the usual, well, this is gonna, how it's going to end, uh, uh, or this is, gonna how it, uh, this is how it begins, but uh, kind of the other way around. Sure. I, I love that. And your wife is obviously a very big part of your writing life, too, as the two of you collaborate quite a bit. And I want to get into that a a little bit later. And before I get into your second book titled The Last, as you were speaking about your foray into writing, I'm wondering, as a neurologist, does your writing have to be as meticulous and error-free? Does that concept of what you do for a living as a neurologist, does that transfer into your writing? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, uh, ne neurologists uh, 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 have to be very meticulous. Yes. Um, we have a very detailed, uh, we're, we're trained in doing a very detailed uh, examination and taking a very detailed history. Um, and so, uh, you know, that makes me uh, a little OCD in that regard. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, you know, I, 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 I sort of put that into my writing as well. Uh, to some degree. Um, sometimes my wife has to rein me in a little bit. Uh, there's, uh, when you're writing a medical fiction or a medical thriller, um, there's got to be a balance between putting down something that the, the layperson will understand, uh, but nonetheless, a medical reader, like a physician or a nurse, will not say, this guy's a bozo. You know, you know, she's, uh, you, you have to use terminology that, uh, that will tell a nurse or a physician or other medical person, this guy knows what he's talking mm -hmm. about, but that won't confuse the, uh, a layperson. And I know on TV and in movies, it's very different. Uh, we, I like New Amsterdam and, uh, my wife used to watch Grey's Anatomy right. and there's a lot of action sequences in there and sometimes they get, uh, very complex. Uh, you know, and in the old series House, uh, there was a lot of medical jargon thrown around. They can get away with it. Um, you know, you can just say something really complex, and the layperson will just look at that and say, uh, okay, yeah. well, something exciting is happening. <laughs> you know, and that's what they get out of it. But when you're reading a book, it's not the same. 
you get you can get lost in the verbiage, mm-hmm. you can get lost in the complexity. So it's that balance that my wife is very handy with. Uh, she does have so she's a medical social worker, has been a medical social worker in the past, but she kind of will will pull me in and say, eh, you know, that's that's really too complex. You're getting too involved in the in the medical nitty gritty, which is what you know as a neurologist I've got to get right. involved with. Right. So there's a very interesting balance, and I still have to keep it real, but I but I have to make it in such a level that the layperson can understand what's going on. I get that, as I think if I were writing these kind of books, I would have that tendency to go all the way down the rabbit hole of the, the the medical procedure and why and what. and So, yes, good thing you have your wife to say yeah. that's a little too much. All righty, let's get moving on to your next book. It's titled The Last, Another Medical Thriller. So tell us a bit about that. Well, this, this kind of started out, uh, I was listening to the radio and there was an NPR broadcast and they were uh, this is quite a while ago. Um, I've been writing this for, for many years. Um, they talked about uh, communities in the Middle East where uh, they spoke um, uh, uh, the language of Jesus. Uh, and they remained isolated from the surrounding uh, communities because they didn't speak their language. Um, you know, and so I said, well, gee, that must lead to a lot of inbreeding. And so I said, well, if they have this inbreeding, uh, what would they, you know, would there be a gene that might have some potential benefit or some that, that might be very interesting to write about? And that's how the, the first nugget of the last turned out. Uh, and then I had to decide, you know, okay, if I've got a community that is going to be isolated, why would they stay isolated? Not just because of the language, but is there something else that would keep them isolated? And what would come of that in terms of their relationship to the to the adjacent community and so that's how I started on the on the last and it actually built from there um, I am uh, as a neurologist I have in, in my 40-year career taking care of a lot of patients with uh, multiple sclerosis and um, that they they have a they're an interesting group of people they really have to deal with a very difficult uh, disease uh, that kind of strikes them at random, uh, can disrupt their lives. Um, uh, and until the last five or ten years, there was really no satisfactory treatment. Uh, so, um, you know, I got to be, to intimately know what they were dealing with. Um, and I really, I wanted to write a book in which one of the characters had multiple sclerosis, but in a sympathetic way, uh, as to how she would deal with it and how it might impact, uh, on, on her, on not just on herself, but on, on other people. And so the lead character in the last, uh, Dr. Ann Mastic, is an infectious disease specialist uh, with multiple sclerosis. And she's been called on to go to this, uh, uh, this isolated community that in a, on a mountaintop in West Virginia that's been there for 200 years or more uh, just because of a prophecy uh, that occurred. And uh, she's uh, been called to save the life of this young girl, Ruth Morehouse, who's got a, a lethal infectious disease uh, and a lethal infection, and she's got to take care of her, uh, convince her aunt, uh, uh, Miriam, who 
is following this prophecy that to stay up on the mountaintop away from from the, the uh, adjacent town people, uh, and she's got to convince her that Ruth has to come down to the hospital, uh, and then she has to find out why does Ruth have this infectious disease, and why has this community, which has been up there and thriving for 200 years, why is it suddenly dying out? Does the prophecy have something to do with this? Um, is there some inbred deficiency that's a genetic deficiency that's doing this, or is it murder? Mm. And so that's the that's the basic plot line. Um, but um, you know, I've I've thought about uh, you know uh, what my wife said. Well, how are you going to describe to what uh, to people what this is really basically about? You know, your elevator pitch. And I, I, I didn't have a good elevator pitch. It was always, I was always getting too involved in the plot. But I think at the, at a basic level, the book is about three strong-willed women, uh, Dr. Mastic, Ann Mastic, who's the infectious disease doctor, Ruth Morehouse, who is a teenager, but I'm calling her a woman because by the end of the book, she has to make a decision that, uh, is a, a very mature adult decision. Uh, and her aunt, uh, Miriam, who is kind of a, a very iron-willed woman who is following the strict dictates of this prophecy. Um, and at the beginning of the book, uh, these three women have a very tense relationship, um, you know, between them. Uh, but by the end of the book, they've developed so much trust and affection uh, amongst themselves that it enables uh, them to support one another, and actually, it enables Ruth to challenge the prophecy. How is this to write from pretty much a female perspective? Uh, I worried about that. <laughs> I'm, you know, as as a man, you, um, uh, I often wonder, gee, is is if a woman reads this, is uh, are they going to be offended? Are they going to view this as an outsider looking in? And and I I hope not. Um, you know, of course, I had my wife reading this, uh, and she's not only a woman, but she's a social worker. Um, and uh, I had her take a look at that and you know read through it as I'm doing this. And um, I don't think I'm being paternalistic. I think that uh, there are women in this book that are are good women. There are women in this book that are not so good women. Um, and I think that um, the relationships uh, grow in a very um, organic manner. I don't think it's forced. I think that, you know, this, went, like I said, this all starts out very tense. And through the course of the book, you can see how these three women are growing closer and closer to one another until uh, by the end of the book, they get to a point of trust that they actually can challenge the prophecy. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in doing so, uh, and I don't want to disclose too much, are they actually breaking it or fulfilling it? Mm -hmm. And so this is um, uh, a book in which I would like to have people, you know, after they finish reading it, not just sort of close the book and stick it on the shelf and say, oh, that was nice. But I would like them to really think about it. And I know it's a genre book. It's a thriller. It's not the great American novel. But uh, in the book, there are issues that I brought up that I, some of them just mentioned very briefly, some of them uh, that I went into a little more depth that 
I just hope that um, that that readers will kind of after they close the cover will will kind of sit and think about for a while, uh, maybe think about for a long while because there are issues that that I still think about. Can you give us some clue as to what some of those issues might be? Well, yes. Uh, when I started writing this, um, there was uh, this gives you an idea how far back I go. So the big issue was. Um, um, should a teenager have to, should a 15-year-old girl have to get her parents' permission to get uh, an abortion? Uh, and the issue was, and still is right now, uh, how much control does a, should a woman have over her body? And how much control, how, how much should society have a say in this? And what I did in the book without, I don't want to say too much, but I flipped the script on this. Uh, to make it a little bit, a little bit different than an abortion situation. Um, uh, and I just would like that to be something, mm -hmm. well, if, if you flip the script, does she, should she still have the, you know, the, does she, uh, which I think, should she have full say in, in control of her body? Um, or how much impact should society have? Mm -hmm. Um, and, there are some other aspects that are a little bit more theological. I don't want to go into them in sure, great detail because sure. it, it might get a little snowy. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the whole book is about a prophecy about God's plan. And um, after you close the cover, the question is, well, is how much of God's plan is manifest by human free will? Mm -hmm. And in this, uh, there is a lot of issues of, you know, the these women are making decisions that may conflict with the prophecy. Right. But by conflicting with the prophecy, do they actually fulfill it? Right. Got it. And so uh, uh, that's uh, maybe a little deeper than I think the average you know, medical thriller goes. Mm -hmm. And this was just published, right? This, yeah, mm -hmm. published uh, about a week and a half ago, I believe. Thought, like the 12th of June. Yes, so the 12th. It's, yeah, so it's fairly fresh out there, because I was going to ask what kind of feedback you've been getting already. Well, not, not, uh, I've got a few reviews which uh, on Amazon, mm -hmm. um, which have been very good reviews, and all three of them are by women. There you go. <laughs> so so I, I guess I've done okay. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, some of them uh, have, uh, some of the reviews have mentioned that, um, this is really something that would be a good book for a, a book discussion group. Yes. Um, I, I didn't initially uh, intend it for that, but I, I agree with that. I think that there's enough in this book that um, you could sit back and have a half a dozen people sit and say, well, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think about that? Um, um, you know, it's, I think on a, a super, I shouldn't say superficial, but on, on on the, a basic level, it's very clear who the good guy is, but and I think 90% of people would agree who who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. But you know, I think 10% of people might say, "Well, wait a second, is that you know who really is the good guy? Who's um, you know?" Um, uh, and I just like to to see if maybe I can spark that discussion. Right. Excellent. Well, I see you got the highest praise possible on Facebook that your cat gave your book the feline face rub of approval. Actually, that's my son's cat. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, 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 uh, I, we do have a cat. I have a cat, Bailey, but that's, that's Penelope, uh, who is, um, who is um, 
uh, very, very rubbing against the book. Yes. Definitely gives it her, her highest, uh, highest rating. That is the feline face rub of approval. We need to yes. come up with an award like that, right? <laughs> and there was, there was a cat in Brain Warp, by the way. Um, you know, uh, didn't play a, a major plot role, but, uh, <laughs> the, the cat was in there. Uh, as they are in all of our lives, I have cats mm-hmm. as well, too, so uh, they play an important role. Okay, well, maybe, can you give us a peek in the upcoming Betrayed? You don't have to say too much, but what's Yeah, that, that was a book that my wife started, um, and um, uh, that was triggered by a, an event that happened in, in her life. Uh, she wrote the book, and she said, well, you know, and it was uh, medical, and she said, well, what do you think of this? And I said, well, the, medi- the medical aspect doesn't jive. So let me go ahead and, and try some stuff. And so I went through it and I kind of spiced up the medical. And, of course, she would uh, say, well, you know, uh, you might want to tone it down a little bit or whatever. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, so uh, I, 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 uh, we, we both kind of collaborated on this uh, in which I – kind of tuned it up in terms of what I thought it should have in terms of, you know, what made sense medic- medically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but, but still kept with the basic plot line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also, um, uh, I, dis- I kind of wrote it so that it's got a hanging ending, uh, because we would like to write, uh, another book, uh, after this, sure. uh, that kind of actually goes back a little bit to the characters in my first book, Brain Warp, uh, because that also ended up with a little bit of a hanging ending, uh, but now bring it up to date with this uh, with this novella uh, that, uh, uh, that has been accepted by World Castle. We just don't know when they're going to come out with it. Oh, my gosh. So exciting, and especially to circle back and, and bring in uh, Brain Warp and just tie all of this together. I, I like all of that. So. Yeah, the, uh, actually, a, a number of people who I know who've read Brain Warp have said, when are you going to bring back those characters? They loved the characters. The characters were uh, – they, they were very – three-dimensional characters, and I've tried to make my characters, even in, in, in the last, I've tried to make them as three-dimensional as possible. Um, and uh, they said, when are you coming back to characters? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was, it, it, it took me years to, to write the last, and I said, I don't know. But, but um, you know, when I, when I finished writing this next novella, uh, I said, well, you know, I, I could do this. Yeah. I, could, um, I could get those characters involved with this again. Uh, in such a way that you wouldn't necessarily have to have read Brain War. Right. But uh, on the other hand, if people like the last and if they like the, the, the novella, then I hope they will go back and read Brain War. <laughs> this is great. I don't know how you have time to do all of this. And plus songwriting. I do want to hit on that because I just yeah. think that's so, so special uh, that you and your wife work to write the lyrics and you won some awards and you've got a group out of Nashville that produces for you. So maybe just give us a peek into that. Well, the, the, um, my wife and I took a, a bus trip, uh, uh, to, um, uh, the kind of Tennessee and, and South. Uh, it was called, uh, a site, it was called, um, Sounds and Taste of the South. Uh, and we were in Nashville and, uh, we were in the hotel and we picked up, uh, American Songwriter Magazine and they had a contest, a lyric contest. So, you know, we were in the bus for, you know, several hours a day. So we said, well, let's go ahead and write some lyrics. So we wrote some lyrics. Um, and then, uh, we submitted it. it, it that one didn't win, win awards, but, um, we were, uh, we had some, uh, it's a little bit of a story. We had some carpeting laid in our 
uh, in our house, and the guy who came to measure it um, said, "Oh, I see you have a guitar. Do you play uh, uh, instruments? Uh, do you play the guitar?" And and uh, we said, "Well, no, that's my son's guitar." He said, "Oh, well, my dad co-wrote the Tennessee Waltz." Oh wow! <laughs> and so, oh. um, so at any rate, my wife got in a discussion with him, and he said, "Well, why don't we, you know, why don't we see if we can put this to uh, the, the the lyrics to to music?" And um, so uh, he helped us with that. The story is is uh, on my wife's website. Um, and um, after that, we said, "Well, let's you know write some more lyrics." And so we we've had a few songs, about two or three songs, and. Uh, we just write the lyrics. I don't have enough music background uh, to write any any music, and, and certainly not to sing. <laughs> uh, please don't ask me to sing. Um, but uh, we we have um, this fellow um, in in uh, in Tennessee, and he um, runs um, he runs a a uh, production. Uh, center where he can, you know, hires musicians right. to sing, and then he uh, does the music himself. And so that, that's been very nice for us. It's just been a little outside thing that uh, uh, we just did for fun. Sure. Um, and um, you know, it's it's uh, it's just been a lot of fun. It hasn't been anything that we uh, do as a career, obviously, but uh, we've enjoyed it, and we've had uh, we've won some awards for that as well. Oh, yes. I mean, not everything has to be done for a career. It's just so creative, and I'm sure it sparks more inspiration and creativity. It's fun. It's fun to do together. It's just to round you out. Medical thrillers, song lyrics, saving lives. At first, it all seems disconnected, but there is a single thread that runs through all of that, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, uh, uh, medicine kind of drives you in a certain very narrow focus mm-hmm. um you know it it, it um as the saying goes it's a jealous mistress in the sense that you sure. really have to spend a lot of time you have to keep up with what's going on okay. and of course nowadays there's all the administrative issues uh with electronic medical records that i won't get into but it, it does take up a lot of your time and uh to have written a book a novel uh it just introduces you to a whole different Slice of life, a whole different uh, uh, corner of the of the world of the universe, uh, and same thing with uh, writing lyrics. Um, you know, it just it just you get to branch out and say, okay, I'm going to forget about this, mm-hmm. you know, the neurology for a little while and just focus on this aspect. Um, and so it, it's very different. You meet you meet different people. You have different uh, interests. Um, uh, you know, you also will read things in medicine and think, gee, you know, maybe I could write a book about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, that's, of course, what happened in part with the last, um, was, uh, you know, was the multiple sclerosis taking part in my character, uh, some of the aspects of the infectious problem that, uh, um, was also some of the medical that I've known, that I've learned, uh, but some of it wasn't. Some of it was very different. Uh, and um, I also have a saying that, um, uh, you know, there's, of course, the, the old saying that uh, you will, should write what you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also found out that I added on to that. Yes, of course, you should write what you know, but you should also write what you want to learn. Yes. Um, because you have to do research for a book. And if you don't enjoy the research, you're not going to enjoy the writing process. 
And of course, in the first book, I wrote, I read all about uh, the Ukraine. Uh, in the second book, I read uh, there was a lot of reading about the origins of Christianity and how it split off from uh, from Judaism. Um, and uh, that was fascinating to me. And I, I still am reading about it. Um, you know, and I won't go into too much detail with that. But uh, um, uh, so for someone to read the book. Uh, if they have really no knowledge of early Christian history, I, I hope this will also uh, stimulate them to read about that. Excellent. Wise words. I agree with you. Write what you know, but also what you're interested to know. And um, just becomes a more well-rounded human all the way around. All right, Gil, as we begin to wrap up, anything we missed that you wanted to highlight today? Uh, no, I think we've covered quite a bit. I just want to uh, say that uh, the book is out on all of the uh, the usual internet, Barnes and Noble and Kobo and uh, and of course Amazon. Uh, it's also out on audiobook on Google Play. And in fact, one of the reviews, uh, which I, I'm I'm very grateful for, was uh, by a blind person. Who I imagine um, must have gotten it on audiobook mm-hmm. um, and um, really en- enjoyed the book uh, from the audiobook standpoint. Mm-hmm. Wow, talk about touching people, right? Yeah, yes. and you and you have no idea. And so many people do not leave reviews, but that doesn't mean that these are untouched people. So I, it, that kind of that whole anonymity about it, where you you put all of this into your work. You put it out there. People learn from it, appreciate it. It sparks conversations, but they don't necessarily reach back out to you or leave a review. So you have no idea who you're really affecting. Yeah, I, I hope that, that uh, if people do decide to, to purchase the book and read it, that they will, and, and like it, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that they will put um, a review on Amazon yes. or Barnes & Noble or whatever, wherever they want to put a review. Right. Right. We always encourage people to leave reviews. It's easy not to, but it's so important to do so. So we encourage folks to do that. How about any contact information where folks can go to find out more yeah. about you and uh, get, find out more about your books and get copies of them? Uh, my website is www.gilsnyder, G-I-L-S-N-I-D-E-R.com. That's www.gilsnyder.com, and that will lead also to my wife's, which is uh, uh, judykaysnyder.com. Um, and they have a lot on there. Uh, if, if you're interested on the, the stories of how um, we started writing uh, uh, song lyrics uh, and uh some of the information about my book. I've got uh, the first, uh, I think, 40 pages or so of the last. I've got um, uh, some uh, uh, some of the pages, I believe. I still have them up there, of Brain Warp, um, and uh, some of the songs. You can actually click on the songs and listen to them. Um, I think some of them are really very, um, very good songs. Um, you know, we're interested in anybody who wants to to take the songs to another level. Yes, your website is excellent. I studied every single page, and I did listen to some of those songs and some of the work that you've done with the songwriting. And yeah, the lyrics are beautiful. The performance is excellent. So I encourage everyone to head over to gillsnyder.com. You said something, and I don't remember where I picked this up, but you said, I treat patients medically. Then I come home and write words to heal their heart. Doing both brings me joy. 
And Gil, that just says just about everything we could possibly want to know about you. We, we touched on a lot today, but I think those words that you wrote just really shares who you are at your core. And I feel very honored and blessed to have had this opportunity to meet you and find out about your your books. They're on my to-be-read list, and I encourage everyone to put them on theirs. Get over to Amazon, get copies of uh, Brain Warp and The Last gillsnyder.com. Thank you so much for today. Any final words before we head out? No, Pat, this has been a great discussion. I want to thank you very much. I plan on, on reading your book, especially Speak Up and Stay Alive. That is a very relevant book uh, for, for, I think, the medical profession as a whole, for, to get a patient and family's perspective on um, on what happens in the hospital it's it's very different i i've i've lived through that too not so much for myself but uh for family members who've been there my my wife's family uh and so we're aware of the issues that you bring up very well aware thank you thank you i appreciate that gillsnyder.com thank you for today thank you pat